Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. Official Shopify podcast, I want to talk to you about selling your business. Do you have a business for sale? Have you considered selling your business? Have you seen friends get these big payouts and then go out and buy Lambos and it's very exciting and you're jealous? Certainly, we all have that dream. We all flirt, at the very least, I think we all flirt with the idea of selling our business, of, of getting that, that big, exciting payout. And of course, that has its own issues of like, well, now what do I do? But beyond that, you're curious about it. I know you are. You want you want the big payday, right? And so today on the unofficial Shopify podcast, we are joined by a guest who has been there, done that, and now works to help others sell their businesses. Uh, we met at uh, in in Miami Beach at Ezra Firestone's uh, Blue Ribbon Mastermind, and she is a, a wealth of knowledge and experience. And so we are joined today by Elaine Eason, a advisor at Quiet Light where she helps online-based businesses exit. By the way, exit, uh, it's, it's not because there's a fire. That's code. That's that's business buzzword code for sell. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. And this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. Elaine, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for that intro, Kurt. Happy to be here. <laughs> My pleasure. You know, that one, it almost got away from me, but it's only because I'm excited and uh i have covid that's right this is the first covid positive episode of the unofficial shopify podcast yikes yeah <laughs> uh i'm at the moment i'm i'm asymptomatic and uh you know i i credit the variety of uh boosters and vaccines etc that i've got so hooray uh i'm safely at home anyway i just thought i'd, I'd throw that out there it was top of mind elaine how you doing I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Kurt? I mean, aside from having COVID, <laughs> how are you feeling? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I feel totally fine. Well, uh, I'll, a not great 48 hours, and now I'm good. So let's hope it stays that way. Uh, fingers crossed. So you tell me what you do currently. Yep. So right now, I am an advisor with QuietLate. So I help sellers exit their business. If you're ready to sell, or if you're just thinking about it and wanting to plan ahead of time, I'll meet with the sellers and kind of guide them through that process and give them an idea of what to expect. And what is Quiet Light exactly? 
So QuietLight is an online business brokerage, and we sell all different types of online businesses, anything from a SaaS business, a content site, an e-commerce site. Um, we've been in the space for 15 years and represent the sell side through these transactions. So if you have an online business and you want to exit, you want to do something else, you meet with us and we can walk you through that process and get your business sold. And why do we call it exit? Doesn't that seem like an odd term? Uh, I think that's just kind of like a sexy buzzword. You're like, oh, I exited my business. And more than anything, you know, it really, it's, it's a sale, just like selling real estate or any other asset. That's, I think that's why it seems odd to me. It's like, I didn't exit my house. If I said I exited my house, you'd be like, where'd you go? I feel like it's from startup culture, but I really don't know. Uh, it, it, it's, it's one of those things I've, that's always quietly bounced around the back of my head. Um, so how, how did you come to be, to do this? How did you end up at Quiet Light? Yeah. So I am a entrepreneur, e-commerce owner, former e-commerce business owner at this point myself. Um, and I got connected with Quiet Light after selling my e-commerce business through them. So I ran a health and fitness online e-commerce store primarily through Shopify for five years. And I sold it with Quiet Light a year ago and joined their team shortly after that. It, what did you sell? Wasn't it like Ariel? Stuff? Yes. Yeah. So Ariel yoga, circus arts equipment, yoga equipment. Uh, that was our niche. It's pretty cool. I don't know if people aren't familiar with it. Ariel's like the um, the ropes. Yeah. You know, how like, would you describe it? My yeah, wife did I mean, it. It was super cool. It's fun and it's a great workout and it actually can be easier than you think. So it looks really intimidating. I know if you've if you've been to Cirque du Soleil and you've seen the aerial silks artists that hang from the fabric from the ceiling, that is really what it's all derived from is this art of aerial silks. Um, but our business really started as an aerial yoga company. So it's taking that fabric and applying it to yoga. So it's used as a prop that you can lay in, meditate in, use as a stretching um apparatus and it makes it really accessible just for everyday folks anyone from kids to seniors can do it it is it, it's super cool and so you had uh, an e-commerce business in this space multi-million dollar business and you were able to sell it through quiet light yeah yeah so i started that business because i wanted to be a digital nomad and live the digital nomad life that was my inspiration for for kind of behind it you know aside from my own personal love of it, it was like, how, how do I, it was a goal of mine also to be able to travel and do what I wanted with my time to have financial freedom. Um, but I didn't know when I started that business that selling it was even an option. I was just building it for the sake of building a business and building income for myself. Um, and then I found out at a conference that there's this whole world of exiting your business that it's it's worth money and I can I can get a, a lump payout and be done like that was that was really really eye opening for me um, I didn't sell then I wasn't at a point where financially it made sense at that point but um, that was in the back of my mind and as the business grew it got to a point that I wasn't the right person to manage that I didn't have ambitions to manage a big team that wasn't my strong strong set. It wasn't my skills to, to have a giant company. And I, I just didn't want that responsibility. Um, and so the point came where I knew that it was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. This has become too much for me. And I chose quietly to sell it. And so you had, you had learned in the, the past, you like, you knew this was an option that there were services available. There were you know, people out there willing to 
help you sell a business and willing to buy a business if it was the right fit. And then so later the time came where you you just you knew it was it was the right time. You sold the business. And then I think there's this issue after you sell a business where you go, well, now what? What do I do? And so you ended up working for the people who bought it? <laughs> Not the people who bought it, but for quiet oh, the broker. Yes, the brokerage. Yeah. So that was that was kind of a twist of events. That wasn't on my agenda when I when I went out to sell it. I was just ready to be done. I was like, this is enough money where it makes sense for me to exit and I can be done. And I'll figure it out later. <laughs> that was my mindset. It was I was burnt out. You know, COVID was rough for anyone in e-commerce knows. It was it was wonderful and terrible at the same time for our business and very stressful. And that's really what killed me, <laughs> killed my, killed my motivation to keep going. Um, and you know, any, any seller that's been in that point, like when you know, you know, when it's time to sell, if you don't know that it's, it doesn't feel like the right time, it's not, you're not there yet, but at some point it will be the right time. Um, and yeah, I, I, I couldn't keep going. So, um, I chose quietly cause I, I met with them and I loved how, really hands-on they were and they really dug into the details of the business not just the numbers but like what are we doing like what specific aspects of the business would be hard to sell like what what are going to turn buyers away what what can I improve and they helped me make that roadmap because when I first talked to them I wasn't in a position where it was ready it took me about six months to to get there Um, but they really guided me through the process and I was really impressed with them that when I went through the process, there it just so happened that they were hiring at the time, and they're like, "Hey, Elaine, like you've been so wonderful to work with." <laughs> like I'm like, "Okay, I don't think I'm, I don't know that I like, I hadn't been thinking about this as even an option, but it seemed like a really, really cool opportunity, and I've been loving it because it's just it's so wonderful to be able to help other sellers to learn about what people are doing. Um, it just no matter you know whatever someone's businesses everyone has their own unique experience and it's it's so cool to hear people's stories and how they've gotten to that point yo absolutely as someone who has made a living of of talking to people about exactly that topic i uh absolutely agree with you it it does make sense to have you available as a resource at uh at this brokerage having been through this experience I mean, who better an advocate than someone who has, has lived it themselves? What, when you sold your, your business and you went through this process, what was the thing that surprised you about it? I, I, was, I was warned going into this that, but it still, it still was something I had to overcome, is that it really is very emotionally draining, the process of selling. You know, you put so much of your time and effort like into building this business, and it's like I'm really proud of this business, and... Going through this process, meeting with buyers, it's it's a lot. You're getting questioned about everything. Um, nothing is guaranteed. There's always twists and turns. Now, as an, on the advice on the advisor side, I see that every single deal, there's some kind of twist or turn. It's like you really, it's it's a mental roller coaster. It seems that way, but at the same time, it seems achievable because I've heard yes. similar things from people who have all successfully sold and gotten paid. But we're also like, man, that was harder than I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the mindset you have to have going into it is you have to realize this is going to be crazy. It's like, don't count your chickens before they hatch. And also that almost anything is over. You can you can get over it. You know, you're going to encounter hurdles, but we'll get over it. You have to kind of go in with that optimistic mindset, knowing there'll be issues and knowing that there will be solutions. Yeah, certainly if you set your, I think if you set your expectations at this is going to be hard, 
but it should be. I mean, the the potential here is like big payout for this thing you've built, and but you've invested your your soul, your time, and your resources and your mental energy into this business. Like it, none of what you're saying should be a surprise to people who are building a business, right? Um, so we started. I think that that brings us into the process. What does this process look like? I just I get. I've, I've put the, my shingle out and now I, years later, I go, I get a for sale sign at Home Depot and I hang that on the <laughs> shingle and now I'm good. What yeah. The, what's the process here? If only it was that easy, Kurt. Yeah. I mean, so you can try and sell it on your own or you can list with a brokerage. You certainly can go on your own, reach out to aggregators and see if you can get a good offer that makes sense for you. And people exit like that. They're happy and they have good experiences. But you can also go that route and have a really bad experience. You know, if you're talking to an aggregator, they know that you don't, you haven't been through this process before. You don't know what you're doing. The chance that they're going to try and like screw you or take advantage of you or not give you the best offer that you might otherwise get is higher than if you are working with a brokerage um, that, you know, working with a team of people that have been through this before. So if you go with a brokerage, um, you're more likely going to get a lot more eyes on the business. So that's why I chose to work with Quiet Light as opposed to trying to sell it myself because I'm definitely like a DIY style entrepreneur and everything up to this point. But I recognize that, look, this is a big transaction for my life and I don't want something to go totally haywire. And I, I definitely wanted that team of support to help me through it. So if you're listening with a brokerage and say you'd come and contact me, we'd have a conversation just about your business and I'd give you approximate valuation and walk you through those steps. So it's about a 90 day process on average to sell with us. Um, and it takes a few weeks to put together a marketing package together. Then we'd list it on the market, um, list it on our website, send it out to our email list. Um, and then we'd handle buyer calls, maybe on average, a listing has six to eight buyer calls um, and gets three to four offers. So our goal as brokerage is to get you as much competition as we can, as many offers as we can to drive the maximum value. Because the more people we have interested, the more likely we can get you the best terms and a buyer that you want to work with and you're excited to work with. And it's the right fit that you see what you've built going on to and um, being taken over by. That's really important for a lot of sellers. Accidents happen. Maybe you installed an app and it messed up your theme. Or a store collaborator deleted product images by mistake. Common myth. Shopify is a backup that you can use when something goes wrong with your store. Untrue! They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind to equip your Shopify store with automated backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix and Movement Watches. It's even a Shopify Plus certified app. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Find it in the Shopify app store or visit rewind.com. Arbitrarily, 90 days for average sale, that seems quick to me, but I'm basing that like on nothing. It just feels quick to me. Is that quick? Yeah, I mean, this is quicker than a lot of other brokerages will tell you. That's something that you're going to want to do your homework on if you're considering different options is how long of a contract are they, are they putting you under? Because sometimes, unfortunately, some brokerages will quote you a really high price and tell you they can sell it for X amount. And then 
they get you under a really long contract and that doesn't turn out to be true. And now they have you locked into an exclusive contract or some kind of payment structure to, that you would have to pay to get out of that. And you're stuck running your business when you really wanted to sell it and get out and until that ends or until, you know, they bring you a actually realistic offer, which is a lot lower than what they told you up front and just puts you in oh, a bad geez. position. Yeah. Well, and so the fear, if I sell it myself, the fear is, you know, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing and I'm probably going, people who have bought businesses, I imagine are, you're going to run into people who are, are fairly sophisticated and have done this before. And if I've never bought or sold a business before, my risk is they take advantage of my inexperience. At the same time, it sounds like if I get the wrong brokerage, they overpromise <laughs> and then underdeliver. So like a similar thing can happen. It really can. It really can. And the devil's in the details in these offers. You know, sometimes we'll get a ton of offers and all of them will be around, you know, X price. And we just have this one offer that's way higher. And it's like, you would, what's the chance that you would have found that going out on your own? It's like when we send it out to tens of thousands of buyers, it's like, it's unlikely. So there is a very good chance that we will get you higher offers. But yeah, you do have to be careful who you work with because not all brokers have the same kind of buyer pool. Not all of them will give you the same time and attention and not all of them will be upfront and honest with you, unfortunately. Oof. The, all right, so the, the closest thing I can relate to is buying or selling a house. That's a large purchase. And often you work with uh, a, a broker and there's like, there's a, that's a, I think a fair parallel. Yeah. Uh, and for the most part, we're looking at price, but then there are also contingencies on the sale. In the case of selling a business, is it always simply like, we give you a cash offer, you get that cash, take it or leave it? Or are there more ways to structure these deals, more complexities than I'm aware of? There can be a lot of complexity. And that that's where it can be actually challenging sometimes to compare because um, a lot of deals will have... Probably the most common types of deal terms will be something like a stability payment, which is a payment contingent on um, a business maintaining a certain revenue or income over a certain amount of time, and then you'd get paid this amount. You can also have different types of earnout structures where you get paid, you know, and these these can be also have many different types of terms: a percent of sales, a percent of the growth in in your profit over amount of time, um, almost any which way you can structure it. You can structure an earnout based off of whatever um, the buyer perceives to be risk to be able to mitigate that on their side. But it can get really complex and hard to evaluate like what's the likelihood that you're going to get paid this or that. And um, that's that's another reason it's kind of helpful to work with a brokerage is that you don't, you have no idea like if you're selling like to an aggregator or even like sometimes individual buyers or these smaller kind of roll-up companies that manage portfolios of brands, you have no idea what their track record is, how how they've been to work with in the past. Have they, you know, decided to change the price on the 11th hour before closing on you? Um, you know, some of these, some of them really don't have great reputations and working with them on a regular basis, we, we track that and we kind of keep tabs of, we like working with these group. These people have been a little difficult in the past, et cetera, and can help kind of avoid those, those bad players out there too. Of the, the variety of deal structures in, for an e-commerce business, which do you think is the most common? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, what's the most common? It depends. So it, the most common right now in the last couple of years has been cash for the most of it. And maybe 
if it's an Amazon business that the Amazon aggregators are interested, maybe you're getting like 80 cash up front, 20% in some kind of earnout structure. That's been the most common. Um, but we've also had just a lot of all cash deals. Seller financing has not been very popular in the last couple of years. It's been such a strong seller's market. Um, we're seeing more and more of that in the last few months, but really it's still fairly uncommon that we see much seller financing. It's a lot of cash that's been in the market. And so as the economy is shifting, you know, things are a little bit uncertain right now. I like the the premise of an all cash deal. <laughs> Who doesn't? But in a recession, I know we're not supposed to say that word. Ew. <laughs> Walk me through seller financing, because I think if you, you end up in a recession, seller financing deals become more common. And I really um, only recently became aware of this. So walk me through this idea of a, a seller financed sale. Yeah, so it it can also be really variable, but in that it's much more common in the brick and mortar business world. So if you're selling a gas station or a hair salon, that's way more common. In the e-com world, it hasn't been as common, um, but it certainly does happen. So at you as a seller, you might hold a note on some portion of the business and um, what we see most commonly is relatively small, so maybe like 15, 20% max, but you know, it's not if if there's some case where it, it's necessary, it could be more. It could be like 40%, which which would be really high, not very common, but it's it's a possibility. Um, and you would get paid over time. So it might be a 5-year note. Uh, we usually try as, as a brokerage is like, I don't want my sellers to hold a long note to so try and keep it under five years. You know, just two to three years is really ideal. Um, if you go beyond that, your risk as a seller is is really high. And um, typically, it's, you, you agree on an interest rate. It's typically pretty similar to the market rate. Um, and you may have different terms in there, the ability to pay it off at a, you know, a certain year as agreed upon between you and the buyer. So I sell my business, but... This is similar to uh, a car loan. I, mm -hmm. I'm going to hold, I'm, a, I'm financing the sale of my own business. Mm -hmm. So instead of a lump sum payout, I'm maintaining partial ownership of the business and then they're paying me back over time plus interest. Yeah, yeah. And some things that people will do um, to kind of protect yourself as a seller in those cases is you can get a personal guarantee on that loan, especially if you're, also, if there's an SBA loan involved, they will help you uh, with that process. And you can also, um, you know, hold something back, like maybe you're holding the domain names back in escrow until that loan is fully paid off. There's different things you can do to kind of mitigate your risk as a seller, but definitely limiting the term of that note would be the, the number one place I would start negotiating that. Yeah, if it's, you know, with an e-commerce business where nothing is physical necessarily it does make it harder because like what is the collateral there mm -hmm. um i like a domain name idea the of deal structures are there any where you say like you just avoid this don't even consider this type of structure or contingency yeah i mean <laughs> the self-financing of a really big portion of the deal is probably what i would avoid like i mean Seller financing more than 40% of your deal, I, I probably wouldn't touch that. I, I really like... It's, it's just, just too not, much risk that yeah, you don't yeah. see the rest of the payment. Yeah. We, and you've given up the business. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're at a certain point. It's like, okay, well, it just depends on your situation and why you're selling. But a lot of times it's like it's sometimes it's worth it for you to hold it yourself and just hire more help and make less money. And if you can do that, then to sell it for really unfavorable terms, but it really depends on your situation and why you need to sell. In some cases it's like, 
you need to sell and you'll take what you can get. But um, if you can avoid it, I would. The Any other types of deals we should consider? Let's talk a little bit about SBA. Um, I think that's an important piece is the SBA financing because it's also a little bit trickier with the interest rates rising. It's a little bit, you know, because the buyer is getting a loan that's uh, SBA backed. And, but it's still, it's still a huge plus if you're selling your business, if it can get SBA qualified, because that like five X is your buyer pool. There's so many people that want to use leverage to buy their business and we don't like seller financing generally. So SBA is much better than seller financing because you're not involved. If you have an SBA transaction, you as a seller, you get paid at closing, you get paid your cash at closing, you know, unless you have a small amount of seller note um, built into that deal, like you're, you're done at that point and you're not having to, to wait on those payments in most situations. In SBA, Small Business Administration, this is a, a U.S.-centric thing, correct? Yes. So you have to have a U.S.-based um, company, and it has to be typically three years old, and you have to have two years of tax returns um, that match your P&L to what you're selling the business for. And so who is getting qualified by the SBA here? Like, is this something yeah. I should do in advance as I think preparation it's... for a sale? I think it's just important to be aware of it if you know that you might possibly qualify. So um, if you might possibly qualify being that your U.S. based business, it's important that you don't you're not too aggressive on your taxes because, you know, I had clients that otherwise would qualify, but they wrote off too much on their taxes that, you know, they would have to amend their tax returns and pay a bunch of tax to be able to qualify for like multiple years. And that's just not realistic. No one's going to do that. Um so it's it's important to understand what that what those requirements are. So I do a little bit of research on that, um, and just have it in the back of your mind and knowing that it's going to be your two years. You need to have like decent growth trends in that time, um, but it's not something you you really can do anything about. It's kind of like you qualify or you don't. And um, we as a brokerage will connect you with banks that we work with that do a lot of e-commerce SBA lending because that's another piece is that. Most banks will do SBA lending, but most banks don't work with e-com regularly and don't know the right questions to ask to give you a really fair evaluation of that. And valuation. That is the big keyword here and the thing people I'm sure are dying for us to get to. How do you value an e-com business? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's going to be based off of your numbers first. So what is your trailing 12 months net income? And what other monetary benefits do you have? And you add that together and that gets you your seller's discretionary earnings. So that's going to be your net income plus your salary, health insurance, writing off your car expenses, <laughs> your personal meals, anything, you know, that entrepreneurs tend to write off. That's a discretionary expense or like a one-time expense. Like let's say you filed some patents, like those, those expenses get added back because the new, um, the new owner is not realistically going to have to pay those fees again. That gives you your seller's discretionary earnings. And then we apply a multiple of that um, based off of factors we know that buyers are looking for or that turn buyers away. And we call those the four pillars of value. So those are your risk factors, your growth trends in the business, how transferable everything is that you're doing, and then how well documented it is. The last pillar is documentation there. So it's based off of your trailing 12 months SDE. And then we assign that multiple and that can be really, really variable. We've seen a really wide range, especially in the last few months with the turbulent economy. And so what is that range typically? Yeah, and for like a primarily Shopify-based business, 
you're looking at probably two and a half to four X if your seller's discretionary earnings is um, maybe like 600K or under for the year, the trailing 12 months. Okay. And how, run me through again, how we're calculating trailing 12 months seller discretionary earnings. Mm -hmm. So it's your last 12 months of profit and add back any of your discretionary or one-time expenses in that, in that time frame, like your salary, health insurance, you know, car payments, whatever is like a personal benefit to you. That's not going to transfer to the new owner. Okay. So some things that normally we're deducting as business expenses, Mm -hmm. but really are beneficiary beneficial to the owner. Yes. So it's really, it's like deductible income in a way. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. And then we're going to take that amount for the last trailing 12 months. So not year to date, not previous year, just the previous 12 months from whatever today's date is. Yep. And then 2.5 to 4X. Mm-hmm. And then the range on that 2.5 to 4X, we're going to determine based on um, how it, how attractive this business is otherwise, subjectively, like r- risk it's- factors, potential, and um, ease of transferability. So like, you know, is this a turnkey thing or do we have like a single key man in existence here? Yeah. And those things are huge. Those are the four pillars of value, the risk, growth, transferability, and documentation. That's actually a really, really big portion. Like if you want to go back to like buying a house analogy, it's like, is your foundation totally crap and this building's going to collapse in six months? Like, yeah, you're making money now, but like maybe there's something like you have a key contract that is going to expire in three months and then that's 80% of your sales. It's like there's all of these little nuances that can add a ton of value or detract a ton of value as well. And um, that's something if we meet together, like I'll walk you through those pillars and exactly what falls into that. So it's like, okay, like your risk factors. Yeah. Do you have any key customers? Do you have a dependency on a certain manufacturer? Um, is there, is it just like a really young business or is there, you know, a really old business that adds a lot of value? Um, we walk through each one of those columns and I'll kind of tell you, Hey, you know, this, these are your strengths. This is where buyers are going to ask you questions. There are things that might be concerning. And then out of that, it's like, where do you need to focus on if you're not ready to sell yet to maximize your value six months, a year, three years down the line? That way you have an idea of what you need to do. And sometimes making those tweaks, like, you know, diversifying, you know, let's say you have this one contract that you're selling all of of your products to, getting more contracts in there. It's like getting more customers. Diversifying that can add a ton of value when it comes to your exit. As a broker, what are... What's like the the number one red flag you see where like it just it always jumps out at you and you go, this is a big detractor that people miss? The number one thing I see when I'm talking to sellers is the financials. And that I think is the biggest danger of like, I think people are losing out on a ton of value if they're selling without using a brokerage is that their financials are not in order Um, because probably 75% of sellers I talk to need some, need some work on their financials. And it's, it's very easy to just, you know, not focus on that. You're focused on running your business. It's understandable, but it's something that you want to get fixed sooner than later. And your books need to be on an accrual basis, accounting for your cogs correctly. That is the biggest piece that we um, work to correct and get updated because it makes a huge difference in your profitability and it can go either way. Like if you've bought all of your inventory two years ago and you're just now, now this is, you know, gone viral and you're selling a ton of it now, but you're not actually accounting for any of that COGS in your trailing 12 months, your actual profitability is lower and vice versa. If you've been buying a ton of inventory and your inventory has been delayed and all this has been expensed on your books, 
um, your profitability is probably higher because you're writing off all this inventory that you paid for. And if you're getting paid a multiple by you're getting an offer for a multiple off of that, um, you know, SDE with all this inventory that you have on your books, like you're going to get paid way less than what it might otherwise be worth. Do you still use a horse and buggy? How about a fax machine? No? Then don't use a regular Shopify theme when you can use Zipify Pages. Just ask this Zipify user. Zipify Pages. I just found that it converts so much better than any Shopify theme I have used before. And you can create high converting landing pages in really the matter of minutes. Zipify Pages is a powerful landing page and sales funnel builder on Shopify. All their templates are tested and proven by a $155 million e-commerce brand. So you know their stuff actually works. You can copy entire templates, like opt-in pages, product pages, and holiday promotions, or use the drag-and-drop builder to create your own custom layouts. Then publish your pages directly onto your Shopify store. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,500 Shopify merchants. To start your free 14-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. So can we consider if I've got all this inventory mm -hmm. that I know I'm you know, very probably going to be able to sell, we could count that in our profit? So the inventory needs to be taken out and put on an accrual basis. So I recommend hiring an e-commerce bookkeeper for that. You can use like A2X or Sellerboard if you're like, you know, looking for a software, but really hiring a bookkeeper, especially if you need to do some kind of historical cleanup is going to be the easiest way and the best way to keep it clean moving forward, because it will show you like, how, how's your business actually doing? If you're, if you're have your inventory, if you have, you know, this $100,000 inventory payment, like in the month of May, it's like, that's going to look like you lost money in May, but you didn't really lose money. That needs to be pulled out, put on your balance sheet and adjusted so that whatever that true amount of inventory that you sold is being accounted for the cogs there. And then you're going to have a, probably a green month in May if you take that giant expense off of your books. Uh, when is the right time to sell? Like for the, the seller, it's about mindset. Like you knew during the pandemic, you, you were not the right person to continue to scale the business. You were feeling burned out. And so you knew for you, it, that was the right time to sell. When is the, the right time to sell a business seasonally, mentally? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a few factors to think about. So your personal goals and motivations, I think is comes first. It's like, I think that, you know, when you know, you know, it's definitely a time to start making a plan or get on it. Um, you know, life happens and sometimes there's situations where you have to sell and you'll just know. But otherwise, if you have the luxury of being able to plan ahead and really maximize that, you're going to want to think about the timing and not just seasonality, but also like the life cycle of your business timing as well. You want to sell while your business is growing, not while it's already kind of stagnated or declining because that becomes a lot harder to sell. And so while your business is growing, that's the time where, you know, if you're a buyer, you're looking at it, you're like, wow, this thing is growing at X percent rate. Like if I can just keep this stable or even if it declines a little bit, like I'm still going to be, you know, making my money back at X date or sooner. Whereas when your business is declining, they're running those same calculations and are like, wow, like this is kind of scary. Like, am I going to be able to turn this around? Because 
business. There's already the risk that you have as a buyer buying a business, thinking that you're going to be able to take this over and run it. And then you have the added risk of not only do I need to take it over and fill the seller's shoes, I have to do better than the seller to turn it around to make my money back. Otherwise, things are going to decline and it's going to take longer and longer and longer for me to see my return unless I make some big changes. Now, it would seem to me, I, some people see, they're like, well, this business isn't scaling anymore. I don't know how to scale it. Uh, I'm bored. Time to sell. Yeah. And that's a, a much less attractive proposition. Yeah. But certainly I would imagine as long if I'm willing to you know, take some haircut on the price, I can still sell the business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's just that, you know, it's not ideal particularly here. Yeah, yeah, we, and we see a lot of that. A lot of that. It's a super common thing. It's understandable. You, 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 you're burnt out because maybe you're trying everything you can, or you know, you're just you're just over it. And you don't you don't want to try anything else, and so you're like, let me sell this thing, and that's harder to sell. It is. So your multiple is going to be lower, um, and even still, it's hard. And I'd say even if you're coming from that position, I'd still be trying, you know, throughout this process to at least keep your sales steady or increase them if you can. It's when you decide to list a business, it's not the time to kind of turn off your attention on it. You have to keep going with running the business, with trying to grow it um, to a reasonable extent. Because, you know, if your business is just slipping like crazy, if your sales are slipping like crazy through the sales process, it's, you know, you might get an offer, you might accept an offer, but the buyer could get cold feet if it looks like things are just going to zero real quick. One of the... One of the things we're familiar with, so I've, I've bought and sold a lot of used cars and you end up, you quickly discover people will do the goofiest things to cover up problems and make that car look better than it is. Like got rust in your frame, fill it with foam and spray paint it black. Oh God. A quick <laughs> glance, you probably won't notice. And then of course the foam falls out and you've discovered you have a nightmare. Um, in this is window dressing. Yeah. Certainly in selling a business, window dressing exists. You have to be able to see right through that. Yeah, yeah. I Our philosophy at Quiet Light is to get ugly early. So if there's something that's bad about your business or that's going to be a deterrent, you want to disclose that up front. Because if that comes out later, the buyer is going to be thinking, what else are they hiding? Like, what else are they keeping from me? So you need to be really front and forthcoming with that because if they see that right away they'll be like oh yeah you know that's not great but they they, they're more likely to overlook it as long so yeah so being upfront with the issues like hey i want you to know what's going on here yep this is these are the negatives just right away um would immediately make one seem more trustworthy and it put everyone at ease what are what's like the most common uh window dressing that occurs here i i think that the way to think about it for going back kind of like to the house analogy is, you know, like when you sell a house, like you want to do some degree of window dressing, like you're going to go fix the landscaping, you're going to go patch the holes in the walls, etc. But you don't want to do that as a seller for your business, because a buyer is going to see that as opportunity. It's not it's not the same as selling a house in that they're going to see mm. that as a room that something that's really easy for them to fix. And they're going to be impressed. They're like, oh my gosh, Elaine, you did X amount of sales with this amount of, you know, with this crappy website or like you're, you're still using this app. Like this is, this is crap. You don't, nobody uses that anymore. They're going to see um, opportunities and things that you might think are kind of pitfalls or something that you're not doing well. Continuing with our, our house sale analogy, certainly I have to pay my real estate broker for their efforts. What? 
does a business broker typically cost me? Yeah, we work on a sliding scale and it's a success fee only. So we only get paid if we sell your business. So there's no retainer. There's no obligation to sell if we don't get you good offers. So it's we try to make it relatively risk-free for the seller. And also that also keeps our interest aligned that, you know, we get paid a percent of what we sell it for. So we're motivated to sell it for maximum value as well. So our, our fee structure is 15% on sale values from zero to 500,000. Um, and it drops beyond that. It's essentially you pay 10% if it's a $1 million valuation and it drops to nine, eight, seven, um, at increments above that. So it really depends on how much it is that you're selling for. Elaine, do you ever miss your business? Um, I miss my team. That's the only thing I really miss is I had some really, really amazing people um, that I was able to work with. And, you know, you're friends with your team at a certain point. That is really the only piece that I miss because I, the day-to-day grind, I, I don't miss that. And I feel like I still get, I'm still kind of in it and being able to talk to sellers that I, I still get a piece of it, but just from a little bit of a different perspective as an advisor. Are you glad you sold? So glad. No regrets. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, where, if I'm interested in selling my business, where can I go to learn more? Yeah, visit quietlight.com. Um, if you're just kind of testing the waters, I definitely recommend checking out um, our learning tab on there. We have a lot of articles, we have a podcast, um, different resources that explain in more detail different business structures and things that you might encounter. And you can also request a free valuation on that the website as well, or you can email me, Elaine at quietlight.com. I'd happy to have a conversation too. That is fabulous. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you so much. This has been, this has been great. I have always, we've talked to, I've, I've talked to business brokers in the past. This is the, the first time where I really feel like, okay, this, I have a much clearer picture of it. You know, things are, are really starting to click here. So I, I appreciate your approach and I think it's helpful um, that, you had you had been through the experience yourself and now provide this service uh, to people in the same position you're in. And so it just, I don't know, it makes it seem that much more accessible and real. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kurt. Glad to be here. Starting a business online has never been easier, but growing an e-commerce business is another story. With Privy, it's never been easier to grow your email and SMS lists, automate your email marketing, send on-brand newsletters and texts, and even send abandoned cart text messages, all in one app. Which means no more toggling back and forth, no more managing contacts across apps, just a powerful connection between Privy's email conversion and SMS tools that lets you manage the entire customer experience all in one place. Plus, you can try Privy out for free today. Just head over to privy.com slash unofficial Shopify and you can sign up for your free 15-day trial. That's P-R-I-V-Y dot com slash unofficial Shopify.